popular opinion of American police in Chinatown? Him crazy. The Oregonian, April 8th, 1922. Welcome to a special edition of Kick-Ass Oregon History, a survey created by the geeked out history folks at orhistory.com. We profile only the most badass, captivating Oregon stories. It's all Oregon sex, drugs, rock and roll, and earth-shattering, devastating destruction. Basically, the good stuff. This episode is the fourth and final podcast on Portland's historic Chinatown. The gambling, the girls, and the opium. In this episode, we'll be looking at Portland's finest and their response to these illicit trades in Chinatown. Today's podcast is brought to you by the Rialto historian and police informant Doug Kank Crispin. When I'm in the mood for a cool beverage and a game of pool, I head down to the Rialto Pool Room and Cafe on the corner of Fourth and Alder in downtown Portland. Portland's premier pool room also has eclectic drinks, happy hour deals, and a fantastic menu, including Portland's best Reuben. And with the new Jack London bar underneath the Rialto, live music, dancing, and even history presentations are in the mix. And you Oregon history geeks are going to love the old photographs displayed throughout the Rialto. So stop on in and enjoy a little Oregon history at the Rialto. There seems to have been a weird equilibrium established between the Portland police and the Tongs in terms of illicit trade in Portland's Chinatown. In 1902, the elite of the city were not opposed to the illicit and illegal trades in any real manner. Portland Mayor George Williams knew that he had to keep the safety of the community in mind when establishing policy. As Portland historian E. Kimbark McCall has written, well aware of such activities in the unrespectable part of the city, Mayor Williams extended efforts to keep opium use, gambling, and prostitution away from the prominent areas. Furthermore, these businesses of ill repute provided a steady source of revenue for the city in the form of periodic fines. This reasoning of an isolated, segregated, illegal district, if you will, had long precedence in Portland, Oregon. As far back as 1866, the Oregonian had drawn attention to the Chinaman disease and noted that in Californian towns, the Chinese were rightly crowded upon the outskirts where they can carry out their beastly practices, smoke their opium, and enjoy their own intolerable stenches without inflicting them upon white men and women. The Oregonian editor called for the removal of the Chinese to a more isolated section of the city where their temptation would not be as visible and accessible. It seems as if nobody really minded all of the girls gambling and opium, just as long as it stayed in Chinatown and outside of the respectable white areas of Portland.
of raids and arrests displayed to the press for maximum political potential seem to arise in a viewing of period papers. The result were often spectacular, or at least appear somewhat spectacular-ish. Sheriff Word was quoted as saying in 1904 that, We'd heard that some of the games were running, so we decided to raid the district and take everything in sight that was being used by the Chinese for gambling purposes. At some of the places we found new tables. They must have been put in lately, for the shavings had not been removed. It looked like the carpenters had just finished with them. Most of the paraphernalia seized in the raids was taken to Kelly Butte and burned. Evidence is available to suggest that something akin to deals or agreements were made by the authorities in the Tongs. For a wonderful illustration, listen to what District Attorney Myers said during a gambling resort bust in April of 1922. I'm making this raid in order that I might keep the faith with Chinatown. At the time of the last Tong killing last November, I gave the Chinese my word that unless these Tong killings were stopped, I would stamp out Chinese gambling and keep it out during my tenure in office. I was promised that the Tongs would keep the peace, but the resumptions of hostilities this week caused me to make my decision. These Chinese lotteries and fantan games and dens of vice are going to be crushed out of existence. The law has decided to play a hand in these Tong troubles, and the law is going to triumph. Who would wield the mighty sword of justice for the Portland police? Well, Detective Tom Kay, of course. Worthy of an entire kick-ass Oregon history episode all his own, Kay seems like a character out of a modern crime film. In fact, someone should make a film about this officer, and we at Kick-Ass Oregon History would be happy to consult. Hint, 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 hint. From all accounts, Detective Tom Kay was as headstrong and as hard-boiled as they come. One article called him the terror of the morally lax and stated that it has been frequently predicted that he would be shot down some dark night, but to any such danger, Kay has always been heedless and has continued with his midnight raids. One example that illustrates this proclivity was when Kay engaged in a melee with a young 18-year-old hoodlum on 4th and Washington. Detective K either pistol-whipped or struck the youth with his billy club, causing the young man to take to the skies. Literally, he ran up a back entrance and made it to the rooftops, running and jumping across the building crowns like a character from a Ludlum novel. By all accounts, Detective K followed the ruffian, jumped, and clamored after his charge. Justice was finally served when the youth met the floor at the bottom of a skylight. Described in another piece as a real hawkshaw, 
Detective K utilized innumerable disguises in his beat work. Dressing up and applying makeup and even a false goatee, K would disguise himself as numerous characters, including a French Count and a Russian Finn. Clerk of the municipal county, Frank Hennessy, encountered the officer and declared, Why, hello, Kay. Where did you get that rig? It's fierce. Say, I think you'd look better in a bonnet. In February of 1907, Detective K was selected leader of the Chinatown Squad and made quick order of his appointment. Brandishing an abundance of bravado, K and Detective Kindland raided a Chinese gambling house at 84 Second Street on February 24th, arresting 24 Chinese and seizing $169 in cash, entering the house by climbing up a ladder and pushing through the trapdoor, reportedly causing quite a stir among the Chinese gamblers. Kay had been described as being well acquainted with the wily manners of the Chinese. One raid on several gambling resorts on 2nd Street found Kay and his colleagues carrying sledgehammers like a gang of workmen on their way to the foundry, ready to bash the heavy oaken doors that would impede their quest. Another raid was affected by Detective K literally dropping in on a group counting fantan beans by means of a trap door in the ceiling. Unable to gain entrance through the first floor, the intractable officer climbed to the roof and found a point of egress and literally jumped into the fantan game. The players were astonished at K's seemingly impossible presence and $145 lay on the table. Officer K roared at the gamers that it doesn't make any difference how we got in. We're in here, and so are you, and you can't get out. Detective K seemed to have done quite a job on Vice in Chinatown. In fact, an Oregonian reporter wrote that he had done more to break up gambling than any other officer. But there were dark rumors associated with Detective K. Some alleged that he collected graft from various gambling operations, an assertion disputed by Chief of Police Christmacher. The city executive board also heard complaints from Chinese residents that police officers, and they specifically called out Detective K, had battered down doors to Chinese homes and businesses without any justification whatsoever. It was also noted in the letter that while this was happening in Chinese homes, notorious white gaming houses were being allowed to operate unhindered. Historian Doug Kent Crispin. Tales of graft seem to boil up when examining the Portland police in Chinatown. A representative from the Bing Gi Company told the fireman, we pay and we can gamble, stating that the firm paid $15 weekly for the graft and that others were doing the same. 
Sam Singh, who lived at 86 and a half Second Street, stated that $150 worth of gold in a long black purse had been taken by police in a raid on a Chinese gambling resort led by Sheriff Word. The sheriff denied the theft had ever taken place, of course. Detective K, in a sound career advancement move where Schur also accused his own boss, captain of Detectives Bruin, of taking $30 off of a table of an illegal poker game and telling the players that Bruin could keep the money or they could go to jail. Indeed, the morning Oregonian ran a single banner that simply stated, quote, it is possible that Detective K was too effective in his moral squad work, unquote. Accusations had been raised against former police officers, too, such as the case of Julius Nispel. Mr. Nispel had been relieved of his duties by Chief of Police Cox after it had been revealed that he had misused his authority. After his tenure with the Portland Police, Nispel advertised himself as a qualified Chinatown guide, for he spoke the language and was quite acquainted with the environs. Apparently, he was quite acquainted with the Chinese lottery games as well, for he was arrested for peddling these tickets when he took them from a resort and delivered them to Tom Arnaud, a North End saloon keeper, in July of 1911. And of course, there was the raid of 13 lottery and fantan joints in August of 1922. All 13 were busted, and some equipment was confiscated but nary was a Chinese man found in the establishments, for all were completely devoid of life. Curious, no? No arrests were made, for it appears that every Chinese in the district knew that the raid was going to happen. The Portland Police, preserving payouts and protecting our citizens from the proclivities of evil. Evil. Fantan. for listening ass kickers and be on the lookout for future podcasts by our crew we hope that you agree that this episode featured some kick-ass oregon history today's special edition chinatown gambling girls and opium was brought to you by the rialto pool room bar and cafe it was written by doug Kent crispin and andy Lindbergh. citations are available upon request our website at orhistory.com. You can subscribe to the podcast there and have it delivered through RSS directly to your device. Or follow us on Twitter at Oregon underscore history. The email address is OregonHistorian at gmail.com. You stay historic, Oregon, and kick ass. Wide awake, they won't let me alone.
You will be. You will be. 